Hey everyone, episode two, here for now. I'm Nate Duro. Thanks for being here. However you got here, whatever link you clicked, thanks for spending some time with us. Really excited to dig into this second episode of the podcast with a really close friend of mine, someone whose path has crossed with mine a whole bunch of times. Uh, Lauren Roberts is on the podcast today, and I'm super excited to share some of her stories because she's one of the funniest and, and most uh, effervescent storytellers you'll ever meet. Um, on the other side of the glass, as always, uh, Tyler Floyd is here, our producer. Hi, Tyler. Hello. How's your day? It's, uh, it's okay. It's nice. <laughs> this, uh, this podcast kind of exists without time. I mean, we're recording it at a time, but we're not going to talk about like that it's really sunny and 53 degrees out in the middle of wintertime a couple days before Christmas when we're recording this. It doesn't mean anything <laughs> to the podcast, but it, it, uh, it means something to me personally right now. I'm feeling real good. I took my kid out for a, uh, a bike ride three Whoa. days before Christmas yesterday, which was sick, uh, in a spring jacket. And, uh, yeah, I'm feeling great. And I think this, uh, this episode, uh, is going to make you feel real good too. Lauren is a, a powerhouse. Uh, she's going to tell you a story about how she stole a costume from Dimitri Martin so that she could dance on stage with, uh, the flaming lips and, uh, that plus some of the stories she tells about being a teacher, some of the stories she tells about sneaking into the logger house and accidentally ending up on stage. It's a good one. Head to herefornowpodcast.com to subscribe to the podcast on any of the places that you listen to podcasts. Social media, we are everywhere at Here For Now Pod. And you can shoot us an email. Tell us who you want to want to listen to. Um, we'll connect you with Lauren if you want to join the Detroit Party Marching Band. Here for now pod at gmail.com. Tyler's on the other side of the glass, and he uh, he's the guy pushing the buttons, twiddling the knobs, if you will, um, sliding the sliders, doing the things, make, giving me looks when I say <laughs> something stupid. But I want to tell your story, dude, because like you're gonna be this like background chuckle every so often you didn't have a microphone when we did the interviews but uh you've got one right now and and this is dangerous it is dangerous <laughs> but like you're you're a huge part of this i i i've been wanting to do this whole podcast thing for a long time and i posted on facebook when i run out of like network possibilities i'm just like facebook tell me who should make this art for me or tell me who should who's a good drummer that's looking for a band? And, and I posted, I'm looking for somebody to produce a podcast. And Tyler, who uh, I booked his band over the years called Parkway in Columbia. Uh, he lives like 10 minutes from my house. Um, I've always kind of appreciated Tyler's like attention to detail and his, uh, yeah, just the, the, the work ethic of like grinding it out. Um, sometimes with not a lot of, uh, just like us, you know, not a lot of assets, not a lot of things handed to you. You've always kind of grinded it out. But um, you kind of said, I would love to try this and do this. And here we are. We've done seven of we've, we've done seven interviews and we're, we're working our way through just building this thing out. Uh, thanks, dude. You're welcome. Tell us, tell, tell the listeners who you are. What are you about? I'm, uh, I'm Tyler Floyd. I love podcasts. And so... I really wanted to do this. Yeah. 
I've been recording a lot since I was, uh, I think, a freshman in high school. And I've just been kind of learning how to record, how to mix, how to master through the years with the internet. I don't know. That's about it. Self-taught. Pretty self-taught. I went to school for a year to learn a few things here and there. And, but, and now we're in the uh, the concert bi- or the the recording business hub of Wyandotte, Michigan. Yep, it's a hub <laughs> in your new studio, Eureka Records, which you share with a couple of friends. Yep, Austin from the band Shortly and Dan from Alchemists. Okay, and uh, it's very cool. I'm yeah. very impressed. I'm having a good time here. Excited. Um, little little blurb about Parkway in Columbia. What is Parkway in Columbia? Parkway in Columbia is my band since 2013 or so. Yeah. Uh, it's indie rock. I I pretty much learned how to record with that band. Yeah, we we've done a lot of touring in 2019, and I'm excited to see where what, it goes from here. And what's the most recent release? Uh, our most recent l- release was uh, Wanderer. It's on everything it's on spotify and listen to it apple music and so you're gonna hear tyler's voice from time to time across these episodes uh he's the glue holding this damn thing together so (laughs) i appreciate you uh this has been really cool to kind of get to know you while we've been driving around the state recording these interviews and doing all that so it's a good team and i'm loving it and and if you if you're ever building a team you want a tyler or you want a lauren roberts and and i can't wait for y'all to hear some of the the bubbly excitement that comes out of this woman. So without further ado on here for now, this is my interview with Lauren Roberts. One dollar. We're going to do one quick skill or luck competition between you and I. Sure. And whoever wins gets the other person's dollar and goes home with two dollars when they had one dollar, and the other person goes home with no dollars who came with one dollar. Okay. So I'll let you pick between flipping a coin, which we have right in front of us, or we can play rock, paper, scissors. Just one wins all. One and done. Winner, one and done. Which one do you want to do? Mm, hoping luck is on my side, so I'm going to flip. You're going to flip a coin. Yeah. Okay. So I get to call it, or do you want me to flip it? I'll flip it. You call it. Okay. If, if if you're the one trying to be lucky. Okay. Right? So if she gets this, she gets $2. And if not, I get $2. So what are you calling? Heads. Heads. I don't know what these coins are. Heads. I owe you a dollar. <laughs> right, deal. Easy enough. <laughs> just like that. Great. We just had a transaction. We awesome. Just, we just made a deal. Lauren Roberts, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Nate? I'm super good. Uh, I, I sent an email to Lauren that said, hey, uh, answer these quick questions for me so that I have a framework by which to do this uh, this podcast. And Lauren, I knew, was going to be the one to send me the most information possible. You wanted a novel, right? I did want a novel. It was great. It was it was compared to the, uh, the, the other one that I've received so far that was literally just like words, like, blah, 2012 teacher. You're a mid- middle school educator by day and a member... Of the Detroit Party Marching Band by Night. Yep. How does that work? Um, with a lot of plate juggling and creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. We'll get into all of that. <laughs> um, I want you to describe for me where you are right now. Just take that 
phrase, where you are right now? And just answer that question for me. Uh, well, literally, I guess you could say I'm back home. I recently moved back to Ferndale, and that's the city we're in currently. Yeah. And uh, I've been all over the metro Detroit area, but I recently moved back um, for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to be closer to Detroit. And two, um, I mean, that's where my family is, where my band is, where the people I love are. And now I'm closer to work. So yeah. it was a geographical kind of leap. But I also, I have such deep connections to the city of Detroit that I wanted to be nearby. Yeah. And uh, I was about 45 minutes outside of the city Yeah. previously. It's funny, that question to me uh, has kind of become the central theme of what I'm doing with this thing. Cool. Um, cause when, when I ask where you are, you could also be like, we're in the green room of <laughs> right. the loving touch in right. Ferndale. There right. are white walls and we're sitting on couches that are probably supposed to be comfortable, but yeah. in reality after the, the hour, hour and a half we're going to spend here probably won't be anymore. Sure. Um, and I think about how many bands have spilled beers on these couches or, or, or done whatever <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah, Don't yeah. want to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like you're one of those people that until recently when I, when, when we, both, I think we're at a point where we were like reaching out more, uh, intentionally mm -hmm. to like connect with people. Um, we were the type of people that like would look at each other and say that we, I dig what you do. Yeah, for sure. I'm I a, like a what big you fan of you. I, I'm a fan of what you do. But what I'm trying to do is change that from like that, having that define you to like figuring out who you are. Sure. You know, so this whole thing for me has just been, this experiment of like taking the people around me that I notice mm -hmm. that are doing things that are noticeable in their life, whether it's because, <laughs> because you're doing something crazy with a seventh grader that doesn't know the meaning of a certain <laughs> word uh, that they ask in class, Ms. Roberts, what does this mean? Oh, or, <laughs> or, or, you know, rocking uh, with a brass punk band uh, that tours the country somehow in between all yeah. of it is like, I'm digging what you're doing, but I don't know how that connects to who you are. Sure. So that's what I want to do here today. That's okay. what I'm trying to do. And, um, we got dinner, what, like a month ago now, yeah. probably, and yeah. kind of started the process before I even asked you to do this just because it was like, dude, we've been, our paths have been like crossing for years and it, it, it was, we never intentionally went, let's go connect it a little yeah, more, you know? Sure. So, um, I have to tell you too, when we yeah. first met, um, or remet, I guess you could say yeah. a little while ago. I literally was so excited to see you. I like teared up a little bit. I was just like, Oh my God, I love That's him. Cool. And I was so pumped to see you again and reconnect. That's so weird. You know, I think we all have those people in life that like you see them from across the room, sure. you know, and you're like, what is that person doing? But I think the concert, you know, we're, we're in this concert venue that I've booked hundreds of shows in over the years. And I think that's a perfect example of like, you'll see somebody across the room, but it's too loud yeah. to like get deep with them. Yeah, you can't, you know, you can't, you're like, through the noise. yo, I see you and mm -hmm. you're my friend mm -hmm. and you're my, but like, you're not my friend, like me and the dude I grew up with and best buddies sure. friends. Cause I know like his fears and his, you know, like his family upbringing and the times he screwed up and the times he triumphed and all <laughs> sure. those things. And it's like, we pick up these things on the internet and we, we, we like run in the same circles, but we still don't like make that, that next leap because we're too busy, uh, trying to keep the 
trying to run alongside the people on the internet, the hundreds of them that mm-hmm. we're friends with, you know, sure. I've something like 2000 Facebook friends somehow from all of this music stuff for right. 2,500 or whatever it is. And it's like, most of them are like dudes with guitars, sure. you know, and it literally like dudes. Cause yeah. And, uh, and guitar, it's funny. Cause like, I'll look at my friend's list and it's like, their profile pictures is all like, you know, (laughs) right. And you're like, leg kick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you're just like, okay, cool. This is literally who I like am running with. Sure. But I don't go deep with any of them. Sure. Yeah. It's impossible to honestly, there's not enough time in the day. Right. And, and, you know, uh, for me, like festivals like Mopop and Bloodfest and things like that, that I've been involved with over the years, there are these opportunities to like, Oh my God, I'm going to see so many people today. Yeah, they're like our high school reunions, but all over again. But like, a, I literally won't cultural way. have any time to do anything with them, <laughs> right. you know? And then like, that's the one time a year I see you. And then it's mm-hmm. like, you, you repeat that over five or 10 years and you're like, man, this is my longtime friend. I don't even know their last name. Right. Or like, I can't remember what band they play in or yeah. all that kind of thing. So I'm like really using this as an opportunity to kind of identify people that I've been running with for a long time and just like intentionally get into uh, the depth of it, because I think there's stories that aren't being told that maybe, uh, could, could affect some people's days, you know? And the green room is funny to me because, um, these are the places where this conversation does happen. If I have the chance, Mm -hmm. a slow night, when I say slow, it's just a night that I don't have to do a lot of work at a show. And I'll sit down with like, Aaron from me without you mm-hmm. and just like kind of invade their green green room. And we have one of those like 40 minute, like, Oh my God, I should have recorded that conversation. <laughs> Cause this could change the life of 30 people that I know, sure. whether it's people that are trying to get ahead and like get their band out there or whether, you know, I mean, Aaron with me without you has all kinds of spiritual and wonderful things that can probably affect your day to day. You know, so it's just like, that's what we're going to do here. So I'm super stoked. We're sitting down and doing this. And the first thing, yeah, of course, the first thing I want to do and and ask you, um, after you took my dollar is, uh, (laughs) I'm rich now. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, tell me about how Lauren, uh, Lauren Roberts made it into this room. Uh, there's, uh, I would imagine 30 something years of, of family history. So like, tell me about little Lauren Roberts. And like how she got to be adult Lauren Roberts and yeah, just, just give me the, the, the backstory. Okay. The origin story as we're all in, in, in a post Joker world where Joker is out there for the 300th version of the Joker, but it's, it's an origin story, isn't it? Yeah. That's what I guess I've heard. You say that. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen it, but. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I'm, uh, the eldest sibling of three. So I have a younger sister and younger brother. We grew up in, um, Mostly Western, I guess you could say the West side of the Detroit suburbs in Dearborn, Michigan. And uh, that's where I spent most of my formative years. And I would say that my dad, he was a early on in his life, a rock and roll drummer, Um, as well as my uncle. They played in a three piece band from Dearborn where they grew up and uh, they were called the demons, the demons. Yeah. But they spelled it intentionally. D-E-A-M-O-N-S, because they were from Dearborn. Yeah. And they also, when I asked them about this, they said, I mean, they were 11 and 12 years old when they started this band, and then mm-hmm. it carried through high school and a little on after that. Right. And they said that they wanted to set themselves apart, and so that was one way to do it. And so they were in this 
kind of safe to say back then they weren't worried about their Google search results. No, no, no. It was, it was just... very much like cute, adorable kid garage sure, band that sure. became something a little more than that. And right, right. and my dad now, even to this day, he will still, you know, he's got the drum kit in the basement and he'll still wail on it. And he is one of these days I'm gonna convince him to record a record with me, but Heck I'm yeah. working on it. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, yeah. So um music was like a huge part of my life, even as a really really young kid. Um, so my parents, I remember one of my earliest memories, I was in my bedroom and my parents gave me this little play school kind of boom box karaoke machine. Mm -hmm. And all of these cassette tapes that they had lying around that, you know, were in the car or wherever they ended up in my bedroom. And so I gravitated toward at the time, I remember one of my favorite records was the Beatles help. And, uh, that I think I wore out that tape and I was really into Queen. Like Freddie Mercury was like my absolute spirit animal. Like that yeah, guy, yeah. like he just embodied everything I thought was cool in the world. And, um, and then Elvis Presley, for a weird reason, I guess I gravitated toward, I think it was mostly now in retrospect because he was handsome, but also he was just essentially like really cool and had this just aura about him that I, I really like latched onto as a young yeah. person. You, so you were f- what four or five? At five, this? yeah. I was I was yeah. definitely like pre elementary school, you know, yeah. four or five years old. Yep. Right and so I had these cassette tapes, and I would jam them all the time, and I would sing along and drive my parents crazy. So there was this time when my parents they they booked a family vacation for us, sure. and I had just started either kindergarten or first grade, and it was one of my earliest family vacation memories. Yeah, and they they were like, okay, we're going to take you to Graceland. And I like lost my mind. I went mm-hmm. through the roof and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, we're going to Elvis' house. This is so cool. So we drive all this way, you know, all the way down to Tennessee and we're at Graceland and there's this whole guided tour in the, you know, I'm in, with this pack of people and they're taking us through, you know, all these rooms of just like, psychedelic gloriousness, you know, like shag carpet and yeah, wild, yeah. like peacock stained glass and all of this stuff. And they, uh, <laughs> the whole time I'm like, okay, when are we going to meet Elvis Elvis? This is the coolest thing ever. And so I, at one point I said to my mom, like, mom, so where's Elvis or when are we going to meet Elvis? And I remember her holding my hand and I could feel her body like tense up a little bit. And she gives me this strange look. Like she kind of like, cocks her head to the side and got, like looks at me strangely and right like, it, but doesn't say anything like, and- like how did we get to this point <laughs> without me having parented my daughter to the point where i ever didn't have the talk about the fact that people die and that this man has been gone for years yeah. oh yeah like, like generations before this, my time and i have no idea i've allowed this obsession to take place with someone who's been gone for a long yeah. time and also being such a young kid i have no understanding of space or time right so i think elvis it, i mean although i of course listen to like pop radio and you know, modern stuff. Right. I had no idea that Elvis wasn't alive. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. I, we, we go to this, um, meditation garden. Whereas your mom probably just assumes. Yeah. She's like, she's like, oh yeah, she knows. He's yeah. He's been dead for a thousand years. So it's it's, right. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we go to this meditation garden, they call it, which is the backyard of uh, Graceland. And, and it's beautiful and there's like these lush gardens and these blooming flowers and it's gorgeous and it all these like visceral smells and we we walk up to these giant marble slabs encased in like gold like leaf lettering and 
And I had just kind of learned to read. Yeah. And I, of course, recognize Elvis's name. And I'm like, whoa, cool. And then all of a sudden, like, it washes over me. Like, the understanding of what (laughs) is going on. Right. And I am wailing. Like, just straight up, like, inconsolable, sobbing. As if you just watched Elvis perish. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was... <laughs> a reckoning. Right, and, right. And my parents are panicking because I'm causing a scene and oh, there's yeah. all these people, like, and I'm causing other people to cry and it's a whole thing. And security's like, get her out of here. <laughs> and she's so, ruining it for everyone else. <laughs> so that's how I got blacklisted from Graceland <laughs> and also how Elvis was the first person inadvertently to break my heart in the music industry. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think about my upbringing. And like music in my house. Sure. And it was always more of like this background thing, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, kind of probably vibes with what people know me as is like the, the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. not the fanboy who's out front, like trying to get autographs or whatever. Sure. But I never had that, but, um, it's amazing. I oh just, my God. <laughs> recently, my parents I, are so embarrassed. They're like, we're yeah, so sorry. You yeah. will never forgive us. <laughs> I, I went into a, um, a uh, new record store up in Flint called Jack's Rec- Record Stash. And if, do you remember the band Kid Brother Collective? Yeah. Brandon Trammell, who sings in that band, he and his friend Jerry just opened this new little record store that's attached yeah. to like the current version of the Flint Local 432 up yeah. in Flint. Cool. And it's just this cool little room, like a little bigger than this. It's just like four walls of records. And, but they, you walk over and on the one wall, there's this tape display. And I've always been the dude that like when vinyl came back, I was like, I get this, like the 12 inch record, the big art, the, the center, all the stuff inside, you a the record's beautiful. I've never put a needle on a record, at least in my modern, like adult life. Mm-hmm. So I, I would actually literally, I always joke this and then I feel like I'm, I'm past it, but then I come back to it and I literally can't tell you like whether you put the needle on the inside or the outside of the record to start. Like, I don't know. And but I own 50 records. Right, right, right. I have this collection sure. that kind of came from like bands giving them to mm-hmm. me, you know, as part of like, do, you know, a lot of dispute being like, Hey, you helped us over the years, mm-hmm. like take a record. And I was like, Oh no, I'm good. And they're like, no, no, take a record. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now I have a bunch of them sure. that I'm like, I kind of have a collector, but yeah. I still don't even know. But I've always through all of that, just been like, tapes are stupid. Like why the hell would Until anyone, now. right? No. So, so like, I've been that guy about everything in life, about Twitter. Twitter was dumb, and I've tweeted 30,000 times, <laughs> uh, literally 30,000. Um, sushi was dumb until like two years ago. I'm 40 years old, and like I'm still discovering stuff. I literally went into this store and looked at this tape display on the wall, and it was just 300 by or 10 by 10 boxes that hold 100 tapes, and they, they sit so you can read the spines on them. Cool. And it was like the coolest fucking display, and there were so many records that I was like, Yo, I used to mow the grass to this right. Alice in like, Chains tape, or like, there's check that out Pinkerton. There's like, that right. There's yeah. Dookie. Like, I had yep. that tape, or like, uh, there's that Run DMC tape that I like got started on hip hop with. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, now it's been like two or three weeks, and all I do is scroll through Facebook Marketplace now, like looking for cassettes, and I haven't bought any of them yet. But like, I didn't know that I had that like nostalgic storytelling like that pull yeah it was like i just i just have always just moved on to the next thing you know i'm like cool with spotify and that like sorry that it doesn't pay anyone but like it's great for me so i'm just gonna keep using it and i've never really had that nostalgic kick to go back and like think about that so 
everybody I talked to about their earliest like music things, mine were always like my mom playing Pink Floyd really loud while she cleaned the house or like my dad ripping like eight tracks of like foreigner and stuff like that in the garage. But it was never like this, like defining moment, like Mm -hmm. assuming you were going to meet Elvis and then finding (laughs) out he was dead and literally ruining the day of every other person on that tour. was over. (laughs) (laughs) It just, uh, it's cool to hear people's stories of like how that affects them. And then it kind of like activates that part of my brain that maybe I pushed away. Cause I'm like this robotic spreadsheet creator that just books shows and <laughs> right. like lost the feeling for it sometimes. Or you know? like you're playing Spotify roulette, like just because you're like, I don't even want to pick anything to listen to. Just yeah. Give me something to hear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so from there, age six, you've now had your heart broken by yeah. Elvis. <laughs> right. It's dramatic. Like we're, <sighs> How does the, how does musical Lauren uh, continue to evolve? Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I was always like a musician at heart. And so I'm lucky that my dad, you know, and my parents and pretty much everyone in my family has some kind of musical ties. My grandfather was in uh, the army band and was a touring cornet player and trumpet player. And so like that, that thread line has always been pretty, you know, evident in my family and um so the marching band thing makes total sense totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly right. yeah being a punk rock marching band like yeah. Right. yeah so uh yeah so in school um for some reason and now i think i understand right my parents kind of swayed me away from percussion and kind of pointed me toward woodwinds and so i latched on to playing piano a little bit as a kid but i wasn't ever didn't take lessons wasn't trained and picked that up later in college and um in school band, I played flute and then piccolo. Mm-hmm. So I played in the symphonic band. And and I was one of those kids, though, that like was the punk rocker, but also played in the symphonic band and was an athlete. So I did all of these different things. Yeah. And, and it wasn't... I, I'm so thankful that I was a kid of the late 90s, early 2000s, where... Uh, ska came back around right, and right. validated being Every a band, band kid. kid yep. So I was like, oh my God, I'm cool again. Sweet. So it, that, um, that definitely helped my cause. Um, so I kind of latched on to bands like No Doubt or Real Big Fish or, you know, the, sure. yeah. the big kind of. In my searches for tapes last night, I saw a tape version of Tragic Kingdom and Get I was out. like, oh my Buy God. It for me. Right, right. <laughs> like I have a, I have a, a, like a reprint vinyl copy too. Yeah. And that's really dope. But like, if I take the plunge, I've got like all these ones saved. And that was one that was like, he had Tragic Kingdom and like a Soundgarden record that I was like, I'm going to get both of those from that guy. And then I'm going to go get these ones. But uh, I'm down. I'm right there with you. I'm a little bit older. So like, no doubt was, was just becoming prevalent. Like when I was like finishing up college, Okay, but like. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. Ska bands like validated every, yeah. And it validated every band kid that was like, form a ska band and go play a VFW show. Right. You know, I mean, that's how the howl music scene was when, uh, when I start, first started getting involved is there was always a ska band. It was like a rite of passage for all the kids from the the band yep. to like keep another, they would, they would change the names of them, but it was like kind of the same players or it'd be like the brothers and sisters or whatever. And the cool things about ska bands too, is that they were always like, Girls and boys. Right. You know, exactly. it was never really, it was always, it was like they were the most diverse band. For sure. Because it was just drawn from kids that could play whatever. Right. You know, exactly. like if you could play a tambourine, you could be in our band. Right. You know? Right. So, so that led you to like 
going to see punk rock shows? Though? Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. So, so you kind of dropped Travis Barker in the mix when you were emailing me oh, your yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, um, tell me that story. Yeah. So the first show I kind of went to on my own accord, like without my parents and just kind of like, I'm branching out. I'm going out with my friends. We're going to see a show. We decided to go see the Aquabats at the shelter, yeah. which is the basement of St. Andrews Hall. Yeah. And um, that place was cool for so many reasons to see a first show because it's such a legendary venue. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think about like Eminem getting his start there, but also like all of these cool rock and roll bands. Yeah, and Suicide punk Machines bands play and, there all the time. And like that whole, that whole hardcore punk scene was yeah. like massive there. Yeah. And even like the Detroit EDM scene, which is, you know, huge, right. like pre movement and all of that, you know, a lot of those artists like Matthew Deere and, Adult, all those bands kind of yeah, got their start yeah. through St. Andrews. Right. So that was such to me, like, I didn't know it at the time because I was 14, 15 years old. You know, I was yeah. a young high schooler, but you know, it in retrospect, it is a really cool place to see a first show. Yeah. And, um, so my friends and I, we decided to go see the Aquabats and there was a band I really liked at the time called the Hippos who were opening. They're an LA kind of punk sky influenced band. Yeah. And uh, they were touring with the Aquabats. And this was when Travis Barker was in the band. He was drumming for the Aquabats at the time. Yeah. So, um, which I never knew. Yeah. 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 Isn't I had no that idea. wild? Yeah. yeah. He, I believe I, I can't cite this for sure, but I believe he was only in the band for a short amount of time before then Blink 182 really took off and sure. he, you know, changed directions. But yeah, it was back when he was the drummer of that band. And, uh, and so I, I went to the show and I was just really taken by all of it, you know, like yeah. just the like energy of that place, the, Seeing a sweaty little punk show and it's a either venue you like or it's that. not, and it, you know right away. <laughs> yeah, for you sure. You walk in and like, you know, I took my wife to her first like one of those shows. And she's like, nope, this is yep. not like we go. We go to the palace to see Matchbox Twenty, and that's what my wife <laughs> sure considers a concert. And then like the shelter is gross and it's whatever, and it's like <laughs> right. Or you love it and you're just like, oh, more. Yeah, I you're need just it. covered in sweat by the end of the show right. and just right. you know. You go home and immediately like flip open the Metro Times. Like, when can I do that? <laughs> right, next? right. That's all I want to do now. Exactly. So, so you were in. I was in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I started um, going to shows more regularly after that. You know, and it was at a point where my parents were letting me branch out a little bit. I finally had a car. You know, those kind sure. of things yeah, where I could yeah. make it happen. And um, and so after a show one night, kind of early on in high school or about midway through high school, really, I um, I met this guy who was in a local band. His name is Brad, and he played in several bands around town yeah and he was passing out flyers after the show and i took one from him and i noticed it wasn't his band's flyer it was for this company called clear channel right and so i asked him like hey what what's up with this you know like who do you work for what you know are you getting paid to be who here do you work who for? do you work for <laughs> give me all the secrets so yeah so he um he basically told me that he had worked for a company called clear channel and yeah. that he was a street team intern and gave me the contact info to his boss and said, you know, we're looking to bring on a couple of people and especially people that love music and want to be here and sure. kind of fit the bill. So, yeah. yeah, so I got my start there. Um, and I was part of the street team for several years and then started college and worked at my college radio station yeah. for years, um, which was U of M Dearborn's radio station, WMD. So I started as an underwriter and a DJ and yeah. then Worked my way up over the course of my college career to general manager. Yeah. So I did that for several years. And somewhere along the way there, uh, I was your boss. <laughs> yeah. Sort yeah. Of, Live Nation. For a minute. Yep. Um, Clear Channel became SFX. Correct. SFX became Live Nation. Yep. And as I was like building up my little career, yep. 
you were in my Livingston go-to guy. County, um, I was doing the Livingston Underground stuff from 2004 to 2007. And in 2007, I got a job being the street team coordinator and the glorified phone answering guy at the Live Nation office in Farmington Hills. And one of the people that was kind of like identified early on when I was being trained is like, there's this group and they're like, they've been doing this for a long time. So you just kind of let them do it. They'll bail you out when you need them, but (laughs) don't, don't fuck with them. You know, like (laughs) they're not going to do any of the stuff that you ask them to do. That's like kind of, you know, interny or whatever at this point, like they're busy, they're about their life. And you were one of those people. And at that point, I believe you were, you were, past the college point or, or kind of yeah, coming up towards the end yeah. of college. Yep. Um, but I remember you being even then when I didn't really know you other than just as your email and the occasional, like stop in to pick up flyers, you were always very nice to me Aww, when thanks. none of the rest of them were, <laughs> you know, they were either dodgy and, and, and just avoiding me because right. they knew that they could because I needed them. Or you were like the boss man. Or so they were kind of, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. a dick because like <laughs> right. this guy's yelling at me and he doesn't know who I am. I've been doing this shit for five, right. 10 years. Right. And it's like, um, so anyway, you, you're at, uh, WUMD. You're the yep. GM. Yep. GM made it. And, you, uh, you made it. Yeah. Partial scholarship. That was sweet. And then from there, uh, what happened? So from there, I, I mean, I knew for a really long time that I wanted to work in music, but I felt this almost like pull in two polar directions because I, my education experience, my background in college, I was earning a degree in, in teaching and education and the like perfect for the music business. The, well, by the, the way. right brain side of me because you're kind of just <laughs> babysitting children. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. Whether exactly. they're adult children or just like children, children, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So I had the background covered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's perfect. And and I felt like this pull to, you know, have a really you know a steady job and you know the the picket fence and yeah, yeah. kids and nine to five and all of sure. that you know yeah. and so I felt this internal like the rational brain side of me was like grow up Roberts, like get a real job. And then of course the true side of me was like, you know, <laughs> throw it to hell and do whatever you want and sure. go, go work in the music industry. So I, uh, I, I just, I had to follow my heart and I knew that my heart will and always will be in music, you yeah. know, no matter what. So, so um, at this point you're, you're out of like, I, I don't think you've ever like lived down your ska pop punk phase. Right, right. But like your musical taste is growing too at this oh, time yeah, with the radio station. Evolved, so sure. like when Lauren was playing songs on, on WUMD, when you had choice, what kind of stuff were you playing? Yeah, like, I actually had like an indie format and garage rock show. Okay. And, yeah, and that yeah. was kind of my thing. And this was like, early mid 2000s so yeah. right in the boom of like the all strokes the and the white stripes starts and, with the yeah, yeah, yeah all right. of those right, yeah, right exactly all the haircut bands yeah. and the white belts and the you know all of that sure. so like the post emo stuff i was kind of into a little bit and then um mostly garage rock i was like the strokes i remember being one of my favorite bands yeah. and um and the white stripes were incredible and I was lucky enough to see them in some really tiny clubs around town right. and you know like the logger house and uh, back before the gold dollar closed and, you know, yeah. venues like that. And you, you snuck into the logger house, I, I heard. did. <laughs> so the logger house is funny because I've, I've done shows there recently. Don't and, tell anybody. And uh, it's all ages now. But back then it was 21 and up sure pretty was. strictly. Mm-hmm. Lauren wasn't 21 I was yet. In, yeah, I was not close to 21. No. And uh, I had a friend who played in this really great 
garage band that I love. In fact, I wish they were still around. They're still around as members of other bands now, but they were called the witches at this the time. Not an They're Elvis not dead. Thing? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. I was going to say. Just like, clear the air on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. 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 We I don't a, kill everyone had, I come in contact we've, with. We've had, a, I don't think he killed Elvis. I think he killed himself. But touche. Accidentally. But yeah. Right. Over a long period of time. But anyway, you're sneaking into this band. Yeah. So there was a friend of mine and it was sort of a friend of a friend. And I had rolled with a group of friends that were a bit older than me. We're kind of like, when I was in high school or in early college. And so therefore, obviously they were definitely over 21. Right. I was, I was the baby. And so our friend, our mutual friend played drums in this band called the witches. Yeah. Uh, his name is Eugene. He's wonderful. In fact, plays in a few bands around town and uh, book shows at Bolero, the new bowling alley. And he's a really just rad guy. Yeah. And we formed a friendship and I really wanted to see his band. And they were playing with the henchmen, another band I loved so much. And, I go to the door and immediately get shut down. And I'm like, oh no. So I call up my friend Eugene and I'm like, hey, so can't get into your show. Right. And he's like, what happened? And I don't think he knew that I was under 21. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Eugene. Um, so he, uh, he was like, well, all right, hold on. And he comes outside about two, three minutes later and he's holding a suitcase. And I'm like, all right, like are we going on a trip. And he's right, like, right. all right, I need you to hold this. And walk in that door and act like you know what you're doing. And I'm like, well, I can do that. Yeah, and yeah. so he, he's like, all right, go ahead. So I walk up two steps and I open the door and I'm faced with this like just blindingly bright light. <laughs> and I'm like, what is, is this like an alien abduction? Right. Am I now getting interrogated? Like, oh shit, the police are here. I'm dead. Right. They know I'm right. underage. I'm going to jail. And so and as your eyes come into focus, you look <laughs> yeah, out and realize, you see. There's a sea of people in front of me and I'm like, you're, oh, you're standing on stage. my God, I'm on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> and Troy Gregory's at the microphone looking at me like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And I'm like, hey, and he looks at me and he goes, hi, we're the witches. And I like jump off the stage and Eugene like hops up behind the drums and they just start going. Nice. Ridiculous. You so made it through the whole show. I did. They, I made it through the whole show. Didn't I didn't kick you get, out. No, they okay. didn't know the wiser. I didn't. I didn't do anything that would, you know, put me at risk of getting kicked out. I was, you know, towed the line. Other than not being allowed to be there to begin with. (laughs) I mean, what they didn't know won't hurt them. But so, so you're into the, the bands. Yes, of course. White stripes, the strokes, and also a little bit of the emo scene with the vagrant records stuff, which is kind of how I got started in all of that too. Like more, I had a buddy that was just like, Vagrant Records super fan, mm-hmm. right? And I was always like, they signed such great this bands. This shit sucks. <laughs> no, for what? a minute, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. He would be like, dude, check out this band, Saves the Day, and I'd be like, no, I don't oh, like I this love at all. Them. They're my and friends. Like, I grew up listening to Nirvana and Alice in Chains, sure. but also like rap stuff. Like you Run weren't DLC. down to emote a little. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. there yet, <laughs> yeah. and I totally am now. <laughs> yeah. Like at forty, like I talked about earlier with sushi and with cassette tapes and whatever, like. I found my lane with all of that stuff, you yeah. know, and I've identified what I like and there's some that I still, yeah, I'm not sure. So sure. That's the best band of all time. Like sure. you're, you're yelling at me, but it was a gateway to this whole other world. For sure. And it's weird now that a lot of these bands are touring again under this like sort of nostalgic wave of sure. shows, you know, so like 20 saves year the day. anniversary yeah. tours and shit. Yeah. They're doing their, uh, you know, through being cool. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. run of shows and taking out Hot Rod Circuit, who was one of my favorite bands. Right. I love them and they're great guys and a cool band. And, you know, still I adore them. And so it's cool to see a lot of these bands evolving over time or doing new things 
Um, or, you know, in some cases, even, you know, tag teaming in other bands, you know, I love the Get right. kids and, right. you know, for a long time, Rob played in spoon That's and, you know, I just it's can't just, get into yeah. What? Which which the Get Up Kids were made for me, right? They're so good. Like forty year old dudes with beards are every single person <laughs> except for you at a Get Up Kids right. show. I'm trying to grow and, a beard. It's not working like, for me. I always liked Matt's like more folky stuff. I sure. just his voice to me worked better with him and a guitar, mm-hmm. just for me. Just you yeah, know, that's fair. And uh, but I know some people that are yeah. like, this is the greatest band that has ever walked this earth. Yeah. And same thing with Saves a Day. Yeah. You know, I'm just like. The worship level. So to see us be yeah, able they to have go some back, real fans, and like, yeah, yeah, you go back to these shows twenty years later, and you get to like live that kid life for a minute. Like, it's you get weepy almost. Yeah, and well, it's cool that some of your hometown heroes, you know, like Arun Bali, who now plays guitar and sings, sure. is from Detroit yeah, and a dear yeah. friend of mine. And you know, it's like a guy I've known for so many years, and yeah. he's doing it on such a next level that yeah. it's really inspiring. And band, to see. I mean, gosh, you know. Chris has his nights and everything where he's, he's obviously the personality in the band, but that like backing band is so tight. And there was that run there for a while there where they were playing like the three hour sets and like call out anything in saves a day's catalog and they would just rip into it. Yeah. Or they show up with these like 40 song set lists. Oh my God. Right. Like my band plays 40 songs, but it's different. Yeah. And then those bands go out now. And they have to follow that tour up, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Newfound Glory does like four albums over two nights. Yeah, and then it's like, right? and then the next tour is just Newfound Glory being Newfound Glory, <laughs> right, you right, know, and it's like, right. man, those guys, you know, it's just, it, they it, set like, the bar. yeah, you had, it's that, can you top this, mm-hmm. you know? And like, it, maybe it's in a smaller venue, you know, you see them at the magic stick and then you go see them at Royal Oak Music Theater sure. and you're like, they're twice as far away or I'm in the balcony or what, you know, like there's a barricade and there wasn't a barricade, right, like, you know, all right, those things. Right. It's like, you get this throwback to like the shelter era mm-hmm. where you get to connect with like your 19 year old self right. legitimately. Right. And then the next time you go back and you're like, oh, they're opening at the amphitheater for so-and-so, you yeah, know, exactly. it's like, this is not as good. Uh, I, I just, I can only imagine how exhausting and terrifying it is to be a band yeah. or an artist. Right. I shouldn't even right. say just, just in general, you know, where it's just like you have to top yourself all the time yeah. or God bless like a band, like not a surf. Yeah. It was just like fuck oh, topping ourselves. Them. We're just going to play the blind pig or they played here. They're just going to play 400 cap venues. They're never going to try to be bigger than that. Like, let's just sell them out. Sometimes we won't. Sometimes we will. We're going to go up. We're going to take one band on tour. We're going to play 25 songs every night. And that's what we do. We put out an album every three years and like, that's the rhythm. It's good enough for us. Kevin divine and all those yeah. like, you know, let's just be career bands and yeah. build this amazing discography that people weave in and out of. We don't get too worried about it when someone lose, leaves us because the next record will connect with them in some fashion. It's it's mortifying to think about what a band has to do to like stay on it. Oh, there's such a hustle involved. Well, yeah. and you think time, the passage of time changes things so much. You know, it's like not a surface is a great example because Matthew, you know, is like, a family man. And oh, has, I forgot that you, you know, like, I, I didn't even bring that up as like, oh, no. <laughs> I know that you know Matthew yeah. from Not A Surf. I didn't even think about that. No, but, but yes. yeah, it's just, you know, like thinking about now a lot of these people who are peers and our friends and or bands we loved when we were 19, we were all kids and our responsibilities were so different than right. now where right. so many people have families and, you know, it's just yeah. a totally different type yeah. of hustle. You right. know? They can maybe be a band for three months out of the year and then the right. other nine months they got to be providing yeah, because the band life. thing just yeah, kind of exactly. pays for itself. Yeah. So, so after college, yep. 
you get into the label world. Yeah. So I kind of like was sweet talked my way into an internship at Geffen Records. And I had met a woman who represented this band called Midtown, who was yeah. one of those bands that I loved so much. Right, right, right. Oh my God. They, of that movement, they, those were my dudes. Like, and they were really great guys. And they connected me with a woman that worked for their label and represented them. And her name is Leah. And she eventually, like, we just totally hit it off as soon as we met and became kind of instant friends. And I was rounding out college and trying to figure out, you know, if I want to do this music thing, in a real, like, authentic way, how can I take this next step outside of... Because I didn't want to work in radio, right. even though I worked at the radio station, and I um I wanted to work at a label or an artist management or representation. So Leah and I really hit it off, and she pretty much immediately offered me an internship at the label she worked at, which was MCA and Geffen. She kind of partnered with both. Right. And um, so I was her intern for about six months, and then... From there, was looking for something kind of more close to full-time yeah. to kind of round out my last year of college. And um, so my senior year of college, I was offered a position um, at Sony Music, and I worked as a college marketing rep. Right. And so Back they brought me Back when those existed. Yeah, yeah, right. They don't even... Back when we would... Yeah, it was almost like the street team thing, but amplified. And yeah. it was weird because you know, social media had just started kind of blossoming in then. And, you know, Instagram didn't exist yet. Twitter kind of existed, but wasn't right. really used in a way for like a platform of, sure. you know, promoting bands. And, and really like outside of blogs and music, you know, websites or outside of journalism, we really just had Facebook. That was pretty much it. Yeah. So we, um, I started working for Sony and working mostly their indie label stuff and, work through Columbia. So what so. year, so let's place this a, a, as a year. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need people to do the math and figure out how old you are or yeah, anything yeah. like that. But I just, I think it's important to place it because things were moving so fast at that point yeah. with yeah, yeah. MySpace and Facebook. Sure. So what yeah. year are we talking about here? So I was hired on at Sony in 2004, in the spring of 2004. And so and CDs are just, they're still flying at that yeah. point. Oh, yeah. Like, and it's like, pre the like internet s- streaming crisis of the music industry. Sure. Because so, Napster then came. Around then, Napster yeah, existed. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just starting to like but it didn't fuck with destroy everybody. everyone's lives right. yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, this is like spring of 2004. I was hired in Sony. I was with them through graduation. I graduated in the winter of 2006. Okay. So, right. I, so you lived through all of like the most. It was the biggest boom, but it was also the most terrifying time because it was like the internet. Everybody saw the writing on the wall that the internet was going to completely destroy this industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And destroy it as you knew it. Yeah, it was like Armageddon, literally. Yeah, yeah, You know, we've all just like, Mm -hmm. it's fine. Yeah. It's different. Right. You know, I have the entire history of recorded music on my phone at any moment that I can access for $10 a month. Right, right, right. And I'm sure every band that I listen to appreciates the 0.00 cents of that stream, you know. Right. But like Billie Eilish is fine. Right, right, right. right. You know, she's streaming 1.10, yeah. Uh, 1.8 billion plays per day or whatever. And that 0.0001 adds up pretty quickly for her. Sure. For like, a band like Midtown, right? You know, or you're out hustling a not a surf record. Yeah. Now you're out there hustling, like out there hustling not a surf streams. It just the the yeah. economy isn't there, right? So you so your job you didn't know it at the time was like this dinosaur that was, oh right yeah that, that was, had literally already died. I just didn't <laughs> recognize it yet. Right, right, right. Elvis. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it um 
So I, uh, I'm, I'm there at the label and at that point, like they kind of had this program where most of the college reps, the, the people that had graduated over time, like most of them didn't end up working in the music industry. They'd just go their own way. Yeah. They've graduated. They do their it own thing. It was like a fun college then, job. Yeah, it was right. Exactly. Right, like got me into shows. Right. Exactly. Um, a little paycheck. But for the people that like really. Bartending, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It was actually a lot like bartending. I mean, we would have all these weird after hour shows. And right. Right. There'd be all these. You know, set up a booth or you'd be handing out yeah. CDs in line before samplers yep. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Dealing with like crazy drunk bands and people all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. So we I worked hard to line up this interview. You probably fucked this up. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So we, um, we ended up, they, they kind of, the people that they knew, then they identified as people that really cared and wanted to work in the music industry and made that known they they did their best to kind of take us under their wing and kind of find a new path for yeah. us. So, and I was one of those people that I made explicit, like, this is a thing that I want to do. Like, this is the next step in my life. And so my boss was incredible and was a mentor and really supportive of me. And basically, as soon as I graduated, flew me out to New York and had me meet with all of these labels, had all these contacts lined up. So I was working um, with even labels outside of Sony, you know, yeah. that he just had had points of contact with. And it turns out that my best fit was with Red Distribution, which was an indie distributor of Sony Music. Right. right. So it was like within the umbrella of their label group, but they um they had all of the independent artists, which was totally my thing. So right. it it was not only something that aligned with me personally, but it was something I felt really passionate about and knew it was a good fit. So yeah. um I was hired on to work there um, on their national sales and marketing team. It was there for several years until really like what you had mentioned with that cataclysmic, like, oh no, right. like it's really hitting the we're, fan. We're going to lop the f- bottom 50% yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. of the people entire were, industry off. And yeah. They, people were just cut at the knees, you yeah. know, and, and I was watching literally everyone around me get fired and yeah. I was, <laughs> became <laughs> like an island. I was a team of one that they kept me on remotely. Right. I was the only person in Detroit. And I was like, what? Like it, it didn't make any sense, you know? And so I was like, okay, it's just a matter of time. Either I have to segue out of this industry and do something different, or I have to be more creative about my pursuits from here on out and, and figure something else out. And so I had decided at that point, going to graduate school was something that was important to me. And I was like, well, guess what better time than now so I ended up leaving. So my that's position. not something we connect on. Cause the second I left school, I was done forever. <laughs> yeah. I knew it the day I left. I was like, I'm done. I don't, oh, don't want to do that anymore. I'm an academic at heart for sure. Grad so, school, man. Jeez, yeah, I, don't, I, I went don't, for it. Yeah. All right. So I, um, I, you know, I searched around, I had earned a scholarship and I knew, you know, being a, a someone that had to pay their own way through college, I didn't have a trust fund. I didn't have, you know, anything like that. It was, uh, all right, how do I make this work? So I ended up earning a scholarship, going to graduate school, but I knew I wanted to still work in music, but I had to do it more on my own terms. Yeah. So I decided to leave Sony and sometimes I feel a pull of regret because I loved working there and I loved all the people I worked with, mm-hmm. but I knew that like that machine was about to swallow me up and I could just feel it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know, I'd rather leave on my own terms than someone else's. So, so- sometimes you have to like withdraw and re-enter the situation down the road a yeah, ways. for sure. I took a phone call with a band today, and I won't get into who or what, but they just had a tough decision and a tough thing to work on. And, you know, I said, look, 
do the thing that you want to do, you can always go back for sure again. You know, like if you went to school and went to grad school and got your teaching degree just to do it. And then you got offered a job from Sony three, five years later. Cool. You know, like life experience, right? Right. I'm I'm doing all this and I, I keep looking at my phone. I've got, I've got my notes on my phone, but I'm also getting text messages from my mom <laughs> who says that my daughter burned her hand on the stove for the first time today. Oh my God. So like to put some humanity to this thing, she just like burned the tip of her finger and she's fine and she's four and she's expected to do that. But the funny part is, or maybe it's not funny. It's just terrifying that I'm getting these little texts because she also fell down the stairs today. What? So like in the same oh, day, no. um, I, I, uh, this podcast to me, um, it's really important that it just stands up, uh, down the road, that mm-hmm. it doesn't become old news. Sure. So we're not talking about like current events. We're not like dropping Lauren's new record. Or, right. No. Like her next show is next Friday. I just want this conversation to like make sense sure. two years from now too. Yeah. But it's funny be, as I'm trying really hard to like steer the conversation to just keep it open that like at this moment <laughs> in, September, October? October. October. Oh my God. It's October. Uh, yeah. Mid October even of 2019. My child has burned her finger on the stove for the first time in her life. No. And fallen down the stairs for the second time in her life. All in the last like three hours. So I'm over here like being dad and like, poor kid. Like, do I need to press stop? And she's like, no, 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 it's good. I'm like, okay. Cause both my wife and my mom have been like, Hey, Finley fell down the stairs today text and i'm like okay oh, like is she no, dead you know right, like, right is everything okay jesus oh no so anyway we're good i just thought i'd put some reality to this whole uh, uh or, or some 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 right now to this like yeah poor kid cruise through time that we're doing sure uh yeah so went back to school yeah yeah so i went to graduate school but in order to support myself through graduate school i obviously needed a job yeah. and i because i had a scholarship through my graduate program, I was required to teach a couple classes. And one of the classes, it was in the English and lit department. And one of the classes that they offered me was a music journalism class. And I was like, oh my God, yes. So yeah, (laughs) made it happen. Collided worlds. (laughs) Yeah. So I, uh, through that, I had been working on the side as a music journalist and had several, you know, small publications under my belt and um, had been writing mostly for this publication out of Chicago called The Metro Mix, Mm -hmm. which um, they were an arts and entertainment, mostly web-based platform, but they, for a little while, also had like a uh, printed version of the paper. And they worked with... Speaking of of industries that just had the bottom lopped out from under them. Right. (laughs) Right? I feel like I'm like riding this wave of just like utter destruction behind me and I'm on the surfboard. Yeah, we... (laughs) Just like... We, we haven't Somehow even got, I'm unscathed. We, but. we haven't even gotten to education. <laughs> oh, yet. God, and no, your, that's fully on career. fire. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> um, one of the things that I asked in the in the preview, uh, the thing that I just wanted to like, the email that I sent you was like, negative moments. <laughs> and like, you're like, honestly, I don't really have like uh, stuff. I just, I just let it roll off of me. So like it's literally, so true, though. literally <laughs> like you're working for all of these, uh, I'm a fatal in, optimist. In, in, I can't sure, right. you know? like, you're just like, you're the uh, human embodiment of the, uh, this is fine meme with the dog sitting in the, right. f- with the flames going on around you. Yeah. It's like real life, Mr. Magoo, like all right. these things are crashing around me sure. and I'm totally oblivious. So back to Metro mix, who's printing yeah. things yeah. on paper and right. trying to That's sell when back them. When people used to read, 
didn't, sure. you know, yeah. care about journalism. Yeah. yeah. So um, when th- not all interns working at every publication. Right. But um, funny enough, I was the intern and I was writing uh, as a music journalist for their publication. And so I was doing mostly um, local stuff, you know, shows that were coming through town or festivals or I was interviewing bands. And um, one of the bands, in fact, I worked with a little bit was um a project that Ryan Allen was part of who now is was Thunderbirds are now and destroy this place and and so he and I aligned on that because he was a music journalist as well and he right. kind of took me under his wing and right. gave me some tips and kind of told me kind of the ins and outs of just how to construct a you know well-written piece you right. know journalism yeah. and so I was really thankful for that because not only was he kind of one of my friends and musical heroes around town but he also was a literary minded person someone I could really connect with so yeah. it was cool to like see that side of him in addition to being the songwriter. Right. And um, so I was working as a music journalist and, uh, you know, was pay- kind of paying my way through college. And that led me to a position at a local, just kind of small boutique PR company. And um, they're, uh, they're called Green Light Go. And oh, right. They, I forgot all about that. Yeah. And um, a woman that I had worked with at Sony kind of had a hand in that and yeah. in starting that up. And so she and I worked together for several years and I did that and I basically ran uh, their music publication and their website and did a lot of their blogging and their social media platform stuff on the back end. So I was kind of like a half publicist, half marketing PR person for them and did that for a number of years through college and that eventually... Like so I these just, things are running parallel. Oh, yeah. Because like I'm a crazy in, person. In, in and podcast I, form, they're coming kind of liter- linearly. Yeah, for but sure. Like you're doing multiple of these at a time, just like we all do in this business. Yeah, like I guess you could say I'm a workaholic. I am, here <laughs> I am, a full-time concert promoter, and I'm yeah. trying to record and, and sure. do podcasts. Yep. And it's like, it, it's because I'm not managing bands anymore. Now I have time. I, yeah. I, I don't have time, but I just, I don't know. I just yeah. have to have three three to six things going at yeah. all times to, so you're not, so this is not a linear no, timeline. No, I'm this is fully like, that person. Like, mm-hmm. like it's, it's beginning to end, but these things are racing next to each other. For at the sure. Same, right. Yeah. 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 So I'm writing, I'm in school, I'm teaching, I'm doing all of these things at once. Right. And, and that's to me like par for the course. Like sure. I'm always yeah. doing a million things a minute. So yeah. I, uh, so after I graduated, I kind of segued more into the education world because at that point, like, this is when things had fully kind of transitioned distribution wise from like physical uh, media to like mostly digital media in the yeah. music industry. Yep. And there honestly weren't a lot of jobs. And I wasn't at that point, you know, I had the choice. I could move to New York. I could move to LA. I could do the label thing or the management thing, but I really believed in Detroit. And this was, you know, Detroit has always been cool and Detroit's always had this just incredible music scene, but I feel like it's not fully appreciated by people that aren't from here. They don't really get it as right. well, you know, right. yeah. and being from Detroit, like I fiercely love Detroit and I will defend the city forever. Yeah. And, um, and being now a musician in the city, um, that's something that has just been now it's so part of my identity that, you know, it, it really just sort of, I don't know, it's, it's part of me. Right. So that being said, it, it's part of you. And now you're a teacher. Yeah. 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 So connect that, connect that gap. Sure. Between like the end of, of music as a career. Sure. Obviously you've put all this time into schooling. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like it came out of left field sure. and all of a sudden you became a hairdresser or right. something. 
because you figured out one day that that's what you wanted to do. You were doing this other thing on the side and that thing kind of took the lead as far as the uh, help at least bridge the gap between the white picket fence lifestyle and like the reality of like, oh shit, I'm 20, whatever. Right. My parents aren't here anymore to like pay the bills. Exactly. How am I going to at least keep an apartment? Yeah, exactly. The reckoning of 30 was intense. Yeah. So I, I, I had finished graduate school in my late twenties. Um, and now I'm in my mid thirties and I, um, you know, I, I was at this crossroads where I was like, you know, I would love to work in the music industry, but honestly, I really, I have lost in that moment kind of some of the luster and, and I didn't feel as passionately about it because it just felt like such a machine you know, and, and I was getting caught up in it. And honestly, I will be real with you. Like being a woman in the music industry is not easy. Yeah. And there was as positive and optimistic as I am about it. There were some dark days and some really weird, awful stuff that I had to kind of deal with. Sure. And, um, and even with sometimes people who were my boss's bosses or people high up in the, you know, the company that, made it kind of known where my place was and and that was really troubling to me. And so I I decided that instead of feeling like completely jaded by it or turned off by it, I wanted to step back for a minute and I knew it was something that I loved and I would come back to eventually. Yeah. I just needed to kind of distance myself for a minute and step out of the kind of corporate aspect of yeah. music yeah. and and kind of find my passion which was always kind of rooted in more grassroots indie stuff anyway. Yeah. So I, I decided that to kind of like to fill, you know, the void. I, I knew that I loved teaching and I wanted to work in education and yeah. it was something that I knew, Hey, if I don't do this now, I never will. So I need to give it a shot. Right. And it was kind of a perfect opportunity to step in that direction. But then at the same time, coincidentally, a friend of mine had started this band and it was, it had been maybe about a year old at that point and was up and coming and they needed some woodwind players. It was this big brass punk rock yeah. band called the Detroit Party Marching Band. Yeah. And um, this was in 2009. And he he had mentioned it to me. And at the time I was still in graduate school and I was like, I can't do it right now, but get back to me when I'm done. And <laughs> I've got five things. Yeah. I've yeah. got five slots in my life for things and I've got five things going. Yeah. So let me drop one of these real quick. It might be a year or so yeah, exactly. before I can get off the train, but uh, yeah. Yep. So in 2011, I graduated um, with my master's degree and that summer I hit up my friend, John Notoriani, who is the founder of the Detroit Party Marching Band. I was like, Hey, I'm in if you are. And he right. was like, all right, come to practice on Tuesday. And that was that. I can imagine that, 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 that kind of uh, collaborative band I mean, I'm sure there are, it's probably just pretty easy to jump into it. Sort of. It is and isn't. Like, like, like in a way that like, you know, if you're a four piece band with a guitarist, bassist, drummer, like you got to know the parts and st- you know. Sure. You play what in, in. I play piccolo. Piccolo. Yeah. So like, you're probably okay if you just kind of jump in and start jamming. Like, you know, the songs, you know, the parts, whatever, but like. I don't know. It just sounds like, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm shortchanging how hard it is to play the piccolo and how important it is to have a piccolo. But I also feel like 
that's the type of thing that like just like jamming in the backyard turns into. Sure. And it's just like, it's, it's like a family collaborative, like come on in and just like play and we'll get this figured out kind of thing. Yeah. Like they, they could tour without a piccolo player, but also like it's, awesome that you that there is a piccolo player yeah like, it, so that i guess when the band started it was more like that yeah. kind of like a jam like just show up sure. and we'll figure it out now it's because well we're coming up on now the 10th anniversary of the yeah. detroit party marching band in fact i think so you're gonna do the 10-year anniversary yeah. to like newfound glory of the first of <laughs> yeah, the first record. right i'm now newfound glory the, the, one yeah. that, the one that everybody's down with <laughs> right right you right. know the only we're one we're playing it's only the, the only hits. yeah right, right right it's the only <laughs> yeah there was only one record right detroit party marching band only had that one record and then everything else i i don't really fuck with that right so i mean i'm personally coming <laughs> up on i'm a little over eight years in the band at yeah. this point and so a lot so of things like have changed. the stuff that came from like 2011. <laughs> right. I was back when it was cool. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. There you go. So, um, no, I mean, so many things, especially in a band like ours have changed where, you know, it used to be a little bit more free format. It used to be a little bit more like, ah, uh, you know, just figure it out. And now it's, I mean, we're a professional band in a yeah. well-oiled well, yeah, machine. Right. So, I mean, we have auditions in an audition process and it's really rigid. It's awesome. Um, the, we practice every Tuesday night. Um, we, uh, you know, have several shows. <laughs> several <Tuesday>. days. <laughs> we, uh, we, we play several times a month. In fact, even in the summer, multiple times a week, yeah. we, we've toured internationally with bands. We tour, you know, nationally with acts. We've, you know, done festival gigs and kind of everything in between. So, and, and we're a fully like, you know, professional paid yeah. organization. Yeah, so, yeah. so now it's much different than it used to be. Right. Um, in fact, we've, as part of our like giving back to the community sort of aspect of our band and something that's important to us to kind of link with the community, several of the people in my band are educators. And we, um, we thought that it was important to kind of fill this gap or this void of instrumental music programs that are falling out in the city. Yeah, and and yeah. with education, the arts are the first thing to go and it's devastating. And as all at least elementary to high school musicians or professional musicians, you know, most of us got our start when we were kids and we, we knew that there was sort of a problem or a hole there that needed to be filled. And we certainly don't think we have the answers, but right. one solution to that problem was that we wanted to start this festival, this kind of grassroots festival called Crash Detroit. Yeah. And it's a brass band festival that's free that we host every summer in July. Um, we just celebrated, um, one this past summer and it's uh, a way for us to not only host free brass band music for people in the city and free shows, yeah. but there's an element of Crash Detroit called uh, the Youth Corps. And we work with elementary school kids and middle school kids that want to learn music and need um, some guidance. So we have a show that we put on for them and we offer, you know, like one of our uh, members is a band director and she works with kids to offer yeah tutoring and lessons and things like that yeah. just on her own time and of her own volition just to kind of help give back to the community. I think it's so important. Like, I think one of the things that when I talk about it, the, uh, intentionally making these connections mm -hmm. is like making that with kids, yeah. mentors, you know, like I didn't really have one and I don't know if I do have had one even to this point. I've, I've been this like, in this weird space where like my parents were super supportive mm -hmm. and super there. And like, you know, I've always had two parents in the house. I've always had 
food on the table, but I never really had that like connection with them other than like the, you know, he tries to fight you. Here's how you fight back. You know, like, okay, dad, cool. I got that. Or like, you know, you should, we're not going to get into religion, but there was always that. Right. But like, um, I've really tried to be intentional, not so much in like a pushing myself as a mentor, but just kind of like with younger bands and things like that. Sure. You know, you forget that they're 22, 23, 24. I didn't even start in the music business until I was 25. Mm -hmm. Like most of the people that I, uh, hang around or get in touch with like Tyler, like you, you guys, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and like you were going to shows before Mm -hmm. that. I didn't even go to my first show until I was 18. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was a local music scene because there probably wasn't where I was going to high school, you know? Um, So I've just always like taken to that and it's really cool to see um, people like you, but also just like crews like that, that go out in the community and do these things Mm -hmm. and they're not, you know, financial winners. It's not part of the the machine that you, that you talked about. Oh yeah. We don't get paid for the things we do with kids. Sure. Right. And just, nor should you, because we want to give back to the community. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, and and it's, it's its own reward Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, for sure, because it creates a creative community that you can thrive in till the day you fall off this earth. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like Elvis, right? Um, right. Well, <laughs> if we can inspire one or two kids to pick up an instrument, sure. you know, like to, to us, that is the, when, when the there are no reward in itself. Yeah. When schools are cutting the yeah. music programs and therefore the ska bands aren't forming yeah. and then who's going to be the next? No doubt. Like right. this is all important right. stuff. Um, so just like, yeah, the, the, I, I feel like the machine forgets that. Yeah. So I bet for you, this like, probably regenerated the love for it. Oh, like in a, a thousand way fold. That, yeah, yeah. That like shoots you out of this cannon. Right. And I like, I always use the the metaphor shooting someone out of a cannon, <laughs> shooting sure. something out of a cannon, but you are a force that is shot out of a cannon often. I feel like yeah. your Facebook posts um, about the way that you interact with your students. It's always, it draws me in. Like when I see Lauren posting something, I like either, have to stop what I'm doing, <laughs> pull off to the side of the road or like make a point to save the thing and come back to it. Cause they're, they're never, they're never usually not very short, you yeah, know, they're... and they require some processing and sometimes they even, uh, end in some tears or whatever else or, or some like passion where you like, Oh my God, I gotta go do something. Yeah. To let's fix fire this up. Right. Yeah. Right. You have a gift for that. And to hear that you're pouring it back into not only kids, at work because mm-hmm. that's what you're supposed to do sure. at work, you know? And I would hope that like my daughter will have those kind of teachers instead of the ones that are just like swiping the card. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you don't blame them. Right. Sure. You know, with things as hard as they are yeah. to still see you like pouring that passion into it um, is what draws people to you. And I think is what makes this podcast thing that I'm trying to do, but also like everything that you're doing super, super, super important because it's like, we need people out there in the world that are mentoring yeah. just by being alive. Mm-hmm. And that's you. Like, that's what yeah. you do. You're out there and you're just, you're pouring this energy into the world, even, even when it's killing you, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you come home and somehow turn that into something that like gets somebody like me going. Yeah. So I can only imagine what it does to somebody who like, isn't a particularly a already a hustler. You know? <laughs> right, like, right. I need to get off my ass. 
Lauren did this shit today. Yeah. Lauren, Lauren almost ran a freaking dude over in the middle of the road <laughs> to help this other girl. Um, those Facebook stories, do you, do you have one recent? Obviously we can't use names and we can't say where you work and all those kind of things, but is there like a, a recent story that you can tell of like what your students did or what word they used in class or whatever. Like I, I don't have a particular one in mind, but is there something that sticks out that, that, that the listeners might be interested in hearing? Yeah. I uh, to give an example. I have a whole bunch. There's one that happened yesterday that I can't tell on air, unfortunately, <laughs> because it's insane. <laughs> but, but, they uh, all are insane. First yeah, of all. I know, right. Honestly, <laughs> it's crazy. Honestly. Um, can I have a second? Though? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, you gotta like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you up with Tyler's record and I'm gonna make sure that you follow her on Facebook because it is a trip. <laughs> it is a trip. I wanna tell you what happened yesterday, but I can't do uh, it. That's fine. I, we can do that <laughs> off air. Yeah. I'll tell you later. Yeah. Tyler. Okay, hold on, let me give me a sec. I have this down in my notes as crazy Lauren stories on Facebook. (laughs) Tell one one, question mark. (laughs) Just want to make sure you get the facts straight. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, I'm like inundated by them. Right. right. I I probably don't catch all of them and then I don't get the backstory. So (laughs) I'm just like, Oh my God, this is like it, it. You do such a good job of like giving it a beginning and an end. So sure. What do you got? Okay. So, um, recently I was teaching a sixth grade science class and they were learning about the water cycle. And that seemed really hard for them to understand because it was kind of theoretical. And even though they could see parts of it, like they understood precipitation or evaporation, they didn't get how it all connected. So I had this great idea that I was, I told them I was going to take them on a field trip and field trip is real fast and loose where I go to school. So Mm -hmm. Um, by field trip, I meant we're going outside and they were (laughs) (laughs) thrilled. So we, uh, we, you know, grab our notebooks and our pencils and I've got this, you know, crew of 30 kids in tow and, uh, they're 11 year olds, by the way. And we're walking, um, across the parking lot and it was one of those really, uh, just uncannily hot days in Michigan in Mm -hmm. September. Yeah. So, you know, normally you think fall weather, but this was literally like 86, 87 degrees sweltering. Yeah. And there's this old man who hops out of the parking lot, this old kind of beat up CRV. And we're, as we're walking through the parking lot, uh, one of the kids next to me spots this guy and he's wearing this bright red t-shirt and these like Kelly green kind of basketball shorts and he's got this long white beard and a pot belly and she starts screaming, Oh my gosh, it's Santa. And so I hear her and I am like, no, come on. And she's like, it's Santa. It's Santa. And so immediately I have 30 kids. 11 years old. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh yeah. yeah. They're, they're don't listen. Santa is real. Okay. So they're, they're all like, all of a sudden the, the noise starts to like bubble up and all of a sudden there's now multiple kids screaming, Santa, Santa. And they're running at this poor man in the parking lot. He's just there to like pick up his grandson or something. And they, you know, they're just wide eyed standing in front of him and they're like, Santa, you know, where's Mrs. Claus? And he very like quickly catches on like, Oh no. So he winks at me. He's like, Oh, you know, she's back at the North pole. And he's like, 
where are the reindeers? Why are they pulling this? And he, they're like razzing about his car. And this poor guy, right, right, right. you know, he's just taking it with stride and he's answering all their questions. And, and he's like, you know, one kid asked, does my mom really know you? She says she does. And he's like, yep, I totally know your mom. Yep. We're good friends. You're staying on the good list. Right. And so they're going through this whole thing. And, um, <laughs> you know, afterwards I'm like, okay, you guys, you know, the reindeers are getting hungry. He's got to get back to the North Pole. Let's go. And as I'm, you know, kind of moving them in a different direction, I'm like, hey, thanks for that. Sorry. And he's like, hey, it's I'm Charlie. Like, that totally made my day. Like, thanks for, you know, thanks for your laugh. And he just kind of parted ways. And so, I mean, everything from that to, like, just really cute little kid stories, yeah. you know, that you forget that they have this, like, that the magic is still alive and well in them, you yeah. know, and they're so excited about everything. You even say, like, we're going outside, and they're like, oh, my gosh, outside. This is the greatest. Right. Miss you know, Roberts <laughs> is the greatest <laughs> yeah. human being yeah. just for taking me outside. Honestly, being in a band is cool. Being a, t- a teacher is even cooler. I am treated yeah. like a celebrity every right. day I walk in right. the building, you know. And so there's everything from that to, like, just soul-crushing stories of, like, you know, my kids who are, you know, dealing with just really insane things at home. Like, um, you know, I, I worked in a mostly Hispanic um, community a couple of years ago and, right. you know, there were daily and nightly, you know, ice raids and talking about the, just my kids saying, Miss Roberts, I'm so sorry. I couldn't do my homework last night because we had to keep all the lights off and hide under the bed and they had flashlights in our windows and they were trying to get my uncle, you know, and, right. and it just, we're, like every ounce of me is trying not to well up in tears and, yeah, and be like, yeah. it's okay. You're okay. It's going to be all right. Things like that. Or the kids who would be riding their bikes to school in January and I would be buying them winter coats because their family couldn't afford it. Right. And, you know, and like stuff like that where I was dealing with on a daily basis to these stories where kids are just so heartwarming and unbelievable and amazing. And like, right. just make me laugh until I cry like almost yeah. every day. Yeah. And, um, I guess one thing that came up yesterday that <laughs> I was just sort of beside myself. 7.30 in the morning, my kids walk in the door. And yeah. I am not a morning person. I'm a rock and roller. <laughs> so they know, like, when Miss Roberts is not fully there yet. And that's not usually until, like, second hour. Yeah. So I'm like, just be kind to me, you guys. And so they'll walk in the morning. And they are, like, just exploding with energy. They're right. so happy. They're, you know, they want to ask me 5,000 questions. I have, like, one eye open. And I'm like, okay, how's it going? And so this girl walks in and her fingers all bandaged up. And and I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? What happened? And she's like, oh, uh, yeah, I had to get stitches over the weekend. And I was like, whoa, like what happened? And she's like, well, I was in the kitchen. I was using my kitchen vibrator and it. I didn't realize the blade was in there and it caught my finger. And I was like, I just kind of stopped for a second and I was like, I, and in my brain, I'm like, there's no way I heard that, right? And so I was like, oh, so you cut your finger? She's like, yeah, with the kitchen vibrator. And she kept saying it like louder and louder. And I'm <laughs> like, oh my God. And I'm racking my brain of like, wait, what are you talking about? And so I, I'm, I grab my phone and I pull up a picture of a, an immersion blender. Right. And I'm like, do you mean this? And she's like, yeah, the kitchen vibrator. I'm like, that's called an immersion blender and right. don't say that around the high school kids. <laughs> yeah. My, my four-year-old uh, still points with her right hand only with her middle finger. Perfect. Just constantly <laughs> like, daddy, what's that over there? I'm like, honey, point her finger. Oh yeah. Now she's got a burn on her middle finger. So maybe we can use that as a teaching tool. The salute. Yeah. God's way of saying like, don't point <laughs> Put with it that. away. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. 
So back to music. Sure. I mean, it's all part of it, right? But what's your favorite, number one favorite music memory? Oh, God, there's so many. That's so hard. Like, just what jumps, when I say that, what jumps into your mind first? Oh, okay. So there's a couple. I think one really ridiculous music memory is that I was um, I was a really big fan for a long time and still am of the Flaming Lips. I yeah. thought they're great. And yeah. I and for me, like playing in the type of band that I play in, performance is really important. So you don't just have to be a top-notch musician, but right. we perform for people. Sure. So that's something that I feel like I'm drawn to. And the Flaming Lips, I mean, they just like own that. That is their sweet spot, like putting on just a wild party. Yeah. And so I was at Bonnaroo, this was years and years ago, and they were one of the headliners with the police of all things. And I love the police. And so I was so excited about that. And at the time I had like a press credential, but it wasn't the same as like a VIP pass, but it kind of was. Right. So it was like one of those things where if I just sort of like did my thing, no one would bother me. Confidence walk. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I make my way over to the Flaming Lips stage. And more than anything, I wanted to be one of their little stage dancer people. Yeah. And that year was the year they did Santa Claus suits. And so I was like, I gotta be a Santa. How do I make this happen? So I call up Charles. You know, I, you've got a guy now. <laughs> I it got just, a guy now. Just I just didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So so at the time I'm like, all right, I'm gonna sweet talk their manager. And I'm like, ah, he's busy. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna sweet talk the stage hands. They're busy. And so I ended up somehow like joining forces or colliding with um, one of their staff members that was around and I, we kind of talked it up and I said, Hey, do you have any more of those dancer passes? I really want to be a Santa Claus with flame lips. And she was like, ah, oh, like I don't, I kind of have one, but not really. Like I have one, <laughs> but it's kind of reserved for somebody, but I don't, I haven't seen this person yet. So maybe, so she's like, why don't you wait it out? At like eight o'clock, like be here at this spot, get in the line. There's like 14 of you or whatever. Just like right. be in the line, be cool. I'll, I'll try to make it happen if I can. And they had these special passes. So it yeah. wasn't even, it yeah. was like the pass of the pass of the pass. It was like you had to like go through the labyrinth in order to get this thing right. Yep. And so yep. I am waiting in this line. I don't have this pass. I don't have the other pass. I'm just trying to be cool and be a music fan and not get thrown out. And uh, so I'm standing there. And they, the tour manager at the time opens this trailer door and he's like, all right, everybody, like people that are dancers, come on here. Like your costumes are hung up. Just grab one, you know, drop trowel, throw it on and let's do this thing. So we're waiting in this line and the, the manager is <laughs> checking these passes as he's, um, you know, going through each person to validate that they're like one of the, the chosen ones, yeah, right? Yeah. I am, I am not on the list. Yeah. So I'm like, there's two people ahead of me now. There's one person ahead of me and I'm like, Oh no. And so I'm like, I have to just be honest. I'm too honest yeah. for my own good. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm not going to be like, Oh yeah, I had a pass and I lost it. Like, all right, I'm going to just go with this and see, you know, see if maybe just my humility will charm him enough to yeah, let me do this. Yeah. So as He's about to ask for my pass. The door opens again. And at this point, I'm like, well, I tried to ask for permission. So my clothes are now half off. Because, like, you have to, like, take all your clothes off to put this suit on. Yeah. So I'm literally in a bra and underwear now in front of strangers who are also in their bras and underwear and whatever else. And I am, like, two legs into a Santa suit, zipping this suit up. And in the door, like, out pops Dimitri Martin. And he had performed earlier that day on like the comedian stage. Okay. Apparently this like extra pass was his. 
And so they, he goes to the tour, like the tour manager's like, Hey, yeah, I got, you know, are you ready for that pass? I'm here. I made it. And I'm zipping up the last suit and Dimitri Martin's holding this pass. And, and the, the manager goes, Oh, sorry, man. I guess we ran out of suits. And I'm like, yep, guess we ran out of suits. Dimitri Martin. And he like looks at me and I'm like, bye. And I walked on stage with the flaming lips. Oh, no. And there's Dimitri Martin crying <laughs> side stage. And he probably doesn't forgive me to this day. Oh but. my God. <laughs> so that was me taking over the flaming lips. <laughs> but sorry, guys. That might be your favorite music memory. <laughs> and also the answer to the next question, which is your worst music moment. Yeah, that was me <laughs> being a turd. And <laughs> it doesn't happen often, but yeah, it was. <laughs> one of those like well all right i'm gonna seize the day and go for it that's and amazing. i got to dance on stage with flaming lips and it was really fun that's amazing what's one musical artist that you really believe in right now oh my gosh there's so many um i can tell you that so this probably like unveils my dad rock side but there yeah. there's like nobody i love more than jeff tweedy like that guy is just like to me, like such a voice of our generation in terms of like just incredible songwriting craft. He writes great, cool pop songs. He makes songs that make you cry. He just like even the chord progressions that he chooses, I think are really inventive and interesting. And his band is killer. And Wilco is like always one of my favorite bands. So anything that that guy does, I'm tuned into. Yeah. So much so that like, I have a cat named Wilco, so that I guess unveils my super fan side. <laughs> but yeah, how about on dude. the local side? Anybody uh, here that you like, kind of back? Yeah, at abs- every opportunity. Absolutely, for sure, for sure. So, um, I I mentioned Ryan Allen earlier. In fact, I've always been a really big fan of his projects, and yeah. I know that he um, he's putting out a new record later this month with uh, Extra Arms, which yeah. are one of his projects, and right. he writes such great, cool like pop progressions and. They put on a great live show every time I see them, and I really love them. Um, I'm really interested in, uh, I mean, I've always been into, like, the garage rock and kind of rock and roll scene in Detroit. So, I mean, all of those bands are still kind of, in an interesting way, kind of part of the heyday. And I recently, you know, went down to Nashville for the third band 10th anniversary and so many of those cool Detroit bands that haven't been around for a minute or don't play as often, you know, like the Dirt Bombs and the Gorys who uh, just did DIY Fest, I think they're still incredible and yeah. awesome. And yeah. um, so, I mean, any of those acts I think are cool in terms of kind of like unique bands that are doing something interesting. They're not local, but I saw this band called Moite at El Club the other night. They're from Berlin. Yeah. And they are this cool sort of techno-influenced brass band, and they put on a killer live show okay and and they were just one of those bands that like their show was a party and everybody there it was a packed room yeah and not one person stopped dancing for a minute that they were playing you know and so wow. that was really fun and really invigorating to see like even bands that are on the fringes of things like my band is sort of uncategorical it's like a punk band it's a brass band it's a right. you know all of these different things and so it's cool for me to see these other bands kind of like that yeah being successful yeah. and in doing that that are, I think, kind of on the that fringes of... don't fit of, into a, a, a easy, easily defined genre. Yeah. They don't fit in easily with, like, what a label's doing. Right. By just plugging it in and right. just going, like, the Vagrant right. thing you talk yeah. about. Like, yeah, we put this record out on Vagrant because it belonged on Vagrant, and it sounds like a band on Vagrant. Exactly. Yeah. Music, and- music is so much more... Uh, 
it's so much bigger than that. Yeah. And having the creative license to like explore all these different genres, even in one project, I think is really cool. And I think Wilco does that really well because they use folk stuff. They pull alt country pop and you know, it, I find that really, really Yeah, neat. those are the ones that stick with you when, you know, I go to South by Southwest every year and I see a bunch of stuff and I'm just like, yeah, this is exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't need to see this to like put together that this is some emo band, right? For sure. Or some alt country band. But then you see something like Combo Chimbita. Yeah. And you're like, dude, what Yeah, the blows hell? your mind. Yeah, yeah. You're like, this, it mixes this and this and some shit from over here and then sh- she's just a powerhouse yeah. and, and that dude can wail on the drums, but like in a way that like doesn't, you know, yeah, it just, it like defies convention. And For those sure. are the things that like industry people are just looking to put things in boxes. Yeah. They want to, or like they want to tie a neat pro- little bow on the, it. And, yeah. The yeah. prototype, the, mm-hmm. the prototypical industry people are just like trying to like frame a thing in a certain yeah. way. Like it sounds like this and this and this and like, because that was successful. Or it reminds you of blank and other successful And I do it too. And I hate myself for it all the time. I, I'll listen to a band and they'll like ask for feedback and it's like, yeah, this kind of reminds me of this. And it's like, why did I do that? I didn't need to say that. Like I could have just been like, it's dope or it has these, you know, and I'm not like a music journalist that can make up different words for the same thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Pull it's up a pop the, song. The I'm just and- gonna go. All, you're right. Yeah. I'm just gonna go to like the three things <laughs> I tell every. Impress me with your right, language. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the three things I say about every pop band that you know excites me, or the same three things about hip hop artists that are like, dude, your flow and you're you know like I don't fucking know. Yeah. You know, but we're that's cool, and that inspires me to go out and like try to find those things. Yeah. Because the more people that I have that are willing to go like find those moments pushes you harder to like take risks on those things for sure when it's like, I could just plug into what's happening and just like book that. Yeah. You know what I mean, I think that, um, my brightest diamond who is local, but also not in a lot sure. of ways, you yeah. know, she's from Detroit and then moved away and was in New York for a while. And now she's back. Um, I feel like she's really kind of this cool visionary as well. Yeah. Like someone that's in the local scene, but yeah. also, you know, is very successful on a national scale. And she pulls from like, operatic stuff to you know pop songs and her voice is incredible and her performance is incredible right she, you know she's someone that uses like elements of stage and cool costuming and she's just kind of like one of those has the whole package kind of right. people yeah in a lot of ways she's someone i definitely charles definitely someone i look up to is someone that is kind of a mentor of our band in a lot of ways and yeah. like has pushed us in really cool directions and has opened some doors for our band, but also someone that, um, is just really next level in terms of being a performer. Right. And sometimes that stuff goes over my head a little bit mm-hmm. while I'm, you know, listening to Stone Temple Pilots and their <laughs> crunch, sure. crunchy three and a half minute rock songs, yeah. you know? Um, Tunde too. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. God. Yeah. Tunde yeah. is amazing. He, uh, we were going to do something big this year. We just couldn't figure it out. And it seemed like he just did it at the Fisher with mm-hmm. the kids and yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And like, it just, you know, like he's thinking on a different plane that I'm even capable of. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, I think, I think one of the things in this business is to, to really, uh, self identify like what you're capable of mm-hmm. and maybe what you're not or what yeah. you're good at and what you're not and like leaving it to the people who are good at it, you know? Yeah. He's so a when, true performer. Right. So when somebody comes with that and I'm like, dude, I grew up in the world of, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, three and a half minute rock songs. And like, 
I want to expand my brain to where he's going. Sometimes I just can't and it's yeah. okay. You yeah. know, it's just like, sure. I'm going to let him partner. Maybe I can be the production partner that just like makes sure the sound and lights are good or whatever. But like, I don't have it in me to like expand my mind that much to like make it look what he, like what he's going to do on his own, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, but I'm really trying in, you know, going back to being intentional, I'm trying to do those things, yeah. you know, trying to expand my mind a little bit and trying yeah. to, for somebody who doesn't drink, who doesn't do drugs, whatever, it's hard to expand your mind sometimes. Sure. Um, but trying to be intentional yeah. about that. And I think it's coming through in the way that I uh, book shows and the, just kind of the way 2019 is in general from like a political and a uh, social standpoint, you For know, sure. like you need to be intentional about including people of different colors yeah, and yeah. different creeds and different, different uh, backgrounds and different, uh, you know, identities and everything sure. else. It's like, that wasn't something that was even talked about. 10, yeah, 15 years ago when I, yeah. when I first got started. And I think that it's important to not only do that and like reinvent yourself as a promoter or whatever, but also as an artist, when you're mm-hmm. booking a show and you're thinking about a show to see my brightest diamond, to see tune day, be really intentional about all of it. Yeah. You know, it's sure. just like, Oh, we can't just plug four bands full of white dudes and on stage and have that be good enough anymore. Right. You know, as and it sometimes should be, it, honestly, and sometimes like, it is. I mean, sometimes there's there's three or four bands that are all friends and they put together a, a show. Sure. But as long as the the overwhelming majority is like thinking about being more expansive, yeah, it's super sure. important. Super important. So there's um there's also this band that has been around for a long time that was kind of like had taken a hiatus for several years. Um, and then now it's kind of back at it. And I always loved them back in the day. I saw them, you know, at several venues like Jacoby's and, um, you know, the Logger House and band, you know, venues like that. And they were always kind of like one of those bands that could kind of fit in with anyone, but they had mostly this like Brit pop sort of aesthetic to them. Uh, they're called Ethos and they had kind of come up in the early 2000s and then, now, more recently, they've reformed and have changed their lineup a little bit. And right. they're putting out a new record. And they've kind of been on my radar, too, as a band. I loved way back when. And I'm really excited about hearing their new stuff. Because yeah. they're, yeah. you know, they, they're a band that I I was hoping they'd be as strong as they were back then. And they're kind of back in full force, right. which is cool to see. And that's what I was talking about with the podcast, trying to keep it um, timeless. I think music has become more timeless than ever because you can become a new fan of something that's old yeah, or something old can become new again sure. or like all these things. It's like it, it like, yeah, we associate certain bands with certain songs that they wrote 20 years mm-hmm. ago, but we're also like open-minded to the idea of like 20 years ago was the only time that you meant anything to me as a band. Sure. But I'm going to give you a chance on what you do right now. Yeah. And you're all parents and you're all professionals and you're all this when you were just teenagers playing rock songs before mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. And that's the fun thing to like rediscover or ha- or watch a band rediscover themselves or an artist, not a surf, you know, like, yeah. you know, coming up on Let Go and all those records mm-hmm. back then and then seeing the new ones and having them hit in a different but similar way. And yeah. you're just like, hell yeah, dude, keep well, and it's cool to see bands that are brave enough to branch out a little bit, you know, because the things that were exciting to them 
15, 20 years ago, obviously their tastes have changed, you know? And so bands that are willing to kind of step out of that, oh, we used to be this kind of band and now they've evolved a bit. I'm always most interested in those kind of bands that are brave enough to take those risks and do something a little different that their fans don't expect. I think those are the best bands. Yeah. So let's wrap this up because I know uh, we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to fire some speed round questions at you. Just give me the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. Uh, don't need to go deep in depth if, unless you want to, unless you're passionately about something. Okay. Um, I'm going to trip you up a couple times. Here. Oh God. Okay. Best album of all time. Oh, Abbey Road. Abbey Road. All right. Uh, did we get it? Well, favorite concert experience, uh, besides sneaking on stage at the Flaming Lips show and taking Dimitri Martin's, uh, <laughs> turning him from a happy comedian to whatever he is now is sad introverted comedian he was probably a normal guy before you did that yeah i i think i ruined his life i'm sorry dimitri (laughs) (laughs) oh god oh i have like so many thoughts in my head right now favorite one more time concert experience favorite show favorite what's the one that jumps Uh, out that you're just like i gotta the cure uh that was at oh my gosh it was some weird tour called the curiosa tour and i don't even remember where it was i think it was dte it was like a terrible venue but i love the cure and I never thought I would see them ever, you know, it just, they had been on hiatus for a while and, right. you know, I never got to see them when I was younger. And so it matched the hype that you had built up. Oh inside yeah. Yourself. I love them so much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, do you watch a lot of TV somehow with all of this stuff that you do? <laughs> a little bit here and there. What's your most recent binge watch? Ooh, um, okay. So I guess this speaks to my middle school teacher tendencies, but <laughs> there's this show called pen one five that was, uh, on Hulu, I believe is a Hulu yeah, show, yeah. which is like, if anyone, if you have kids or work with kids, it's, or were a kid in the nineties was hilarious. I yeah, love that show yeah. a lot. Um, I still kind of watch the Simpsons cause it's one of my go-to faves. It's something I'll just put on in the background if I'm working. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say those two. And, um, I'm currently watching, uh, the American horror, uh, story. Oh, okay. I, I dig that show. And, just horror stuff in general yeah. for me. Uh, best musical performer that ever lived. Oh, come on. Uh, it's a tie between David Bowie and Freddie Mercury. Okay, fair enough. Lots of sequins. Yeah, I love sparkles. Yeah, I'm yeah. into it. <laughs> uh, albums or singles? Singles, I think. Okay. I'm, I have a short attention span. Okay. That, I didn't expect that one. I figured you were an album person all the way. Uh, festivals, yay or nay? Yay, for sure. Uh, well... Yay within reason. Okay. So what I mean by that is like, I feel like I'm at that age where I'm like eye rolling some of it at this point. Like, oh my God, I can't tolerate this. Sure. But I love music enough to put up with it and okay. I still have the best time. So I'm in. Okay. Uh, give me one controversial opinion that you hold. Ooh. <laughs> well, I guess in this town I drive a hybrid. And uh, it's a Toyota at that. Okay. So I guess that is controversial given that I live in Motor City. There's not a UAW group outside honking like there was (laughs) at the last time. Right. Right. And considering I grew up in the hometown of Henry Ford, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I, to some people, have been called a traitor in my past. So that's that's controversial. You're saving the planet for for future generations. Uh, Guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. Um, well, outside of like seeing a show at any given day of the week against all odds, um, I'd say, gosh, 
this is a kind of weird one, but I really like theme parks. So like okay. I'll go to Cedar Point once a year. Yeah. Or so because I like riding roller coasters and that's fun. And I guess that's a guilty pleasure because yeah. it's kind of lame to go to theme parks, I guess. But I dig them. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I don't I don't like them anymore. I, I don't like them. I, I, I would, see what I mean? See, I would be <laughs> I would be the nay guy on festivals, too. But it's they're for the same reason, you know, like. Standing all day is not something I want to do. Yeah, I feel like sometimes you gotta like stand at the edge of death, you know, and that's going on the craziest roller coaster. Yeah, you can find. dude, and trust me, I lo- I love me a good roller coaster, especially straight and fast. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big fan of spinning or yeah. whatever, but upside down, whatever. But like, give me the Millennium or give me Top Thrill Dragster. Sure, hundred percent yeah. down. Where can we find out more about what you're doing on the interweb, short of? you know, becoming your Facebook friend. Sure. Maybe where can we find out more about Detroit party? Yeah. So Detroit party, a good place to start is, um, either our crash page, crash Detroit, um, which is kind of where we host all of our festival related stuff. Sure. Um, and my band, you think as long as we've been together, we'd have a legit website up and running, but we, we just kind of do the social media presence thing more than anything. So you can find us on Instagram, Detroit party, marching band, um, or Facebook or, you know, any of those things, Twitter, all of it. Okay. Yeah. And is there anything else you want to share with us before you leave? Uh, nothing. Just and no I, more stories. I no. mean, you told like eight good ones. <laughs> a thousand, so I, I know. Yeah. Um, no, just that I love you and thank you. And this has been really fun. Was it as scary as you thought it might be? A little bit, but, but still? I'm cool. Okay. I'm doing it. No, all I'm right. fine. All right. All right. Well, I <laughs> you really... made me a little nervous at first, but I'm okay. Dude, it's all good. You took my dollar. <laughs> I know. I'm rich. See, and that's the thing. Like the whole, the whole thing is like. That, that feeling could be a million different things. It could yeah. be a feeling of like triumph. It could be a feeling of like, damn it, I took his dollar and I'm freaked out by this. What's <laughs> I'll split he, the difference with you. I'm going to give it back. What's he getting at? You know, um, you know, it's, it's where you are. And, and here we are. We, we are continuing the process of going from like, I dig what you do to now I dig what, who you are. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate See it. See you. And there we go. Lauren Roberts. Dude, Lauren's a good follow on all social media and uh, find out more about what Lauren Roberts is doing. Uh, I want to thank Lauren for her time. I want to thank Tyler Floyd, our producer, for doing what Tyler Floyd does. Doing it so well. Rocking that mustache uh, so wonderfully. Thank you. Thanks, bud. Episode three is going to be real cool. We're going to break down coffee and music and how it all goes together with uh, Foster Coffee Company's Nicholas Pydek and John Moore. So you can find that episode uh, on our website, herefornowpodcast.com. You can shoot us an email, herefornowpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media, at herefornowpod. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you later.